you know, normally this time of year, we, we jump in and we go, man, happy new year. And it's like, everyone is thinking about a new year. What is next? How, how do we move forward? How do we set, hey, New Year's resolutions? What are the goals that we're going to try to work towards this year? And as I sat down and I tried to think about like, man, how do you square up and frame up New Year's resolutions coming out of a year like 2020? Like, well, how, how do you start thinking about, how do you move forward beyond a year like the year that we just had? You know, the truth is, I think for, for most people, maybe for the first time ever, I know definitely for the first time in our generation, in our, in our lifetime, that, that for the first time ever, like globally, I'd say more people than not felt like 2020 was more full of disappointment than it was of hopeful optimism. <laughs> you know, or just around the globe, people just felt this like weight of, oh, what a year. What are we going to do? How do we move on past this? Can't wait to get past it. You know, things just maybe didn't go as you planned. And so I began like wrestling with, man, how do I set up? How do we talk about moving forward? How do we talk about leaning into God's faithfulness in a new year, coming out of a year where it just felt like such a disappointment? You know, and I think our text in Hebrews chapter 12 really kind of captures the heart behind what so many of us feel whenever we come into a new year. It has this optimism to it. It has this inspiring tone to it. I think it speaks to us about what it looks like to keep moving forward even beyond a time that felt like disappointment. So let's look in Hebrews chapter 12 together. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is what the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord out of Hebrews chapter 12. You know, this, this verse, it is, is such like an inspiring and quotable verse. You know, it's one of those verses that we want to take pieces out of it and like slap it on a coffee mug or put it on a t-shirt or a poster. We're like, man, let's run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. And it's a great verse, especially when you start thinking about like, hey, people setting New Year's resolutions, setting goals. It's like, we look at this verse, we're like, yeah, this year, 2021, I, I am gonna run with perseverance the race of weight loss. I'm, I'm gonna get after it this year and I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna run with perseverance, you know, the, the goal of cutting down my time that I spend on social media. I'm gonna run with perseverance the goal of being more pure this year. I'm gonna run with perseverance as I try to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit whatever fill in the blank the thing is that you do that you don't want to do anymore. And so we take a verse like this and we, we put our own personal race into it. We go, this is the race that I'm running with perseverance, which is okay and it's fine and good, but I, I think we're better served to look at the text and ask some questions about it. Have you ever looked at this text and begin to wonder, man, what is the race that the author was actually talking about? <laughs> like, what is the race that we're running? He's not the only one that uses race metaphors. The Apostle Paul used that metaphor as well, 1 Corinthians 9 and other places. It's like, so what, what exactly is the race, the biblical race that we're running? And, and you know, every race has a finish line. What, what's the finish line 
of this race? What is it that we're working towards? And how do I know if I'm in the race? How do I know if I'm still running the race? How do I know if I ever began running the race? You know, these are all questions that should stir up in us as we read a text like this, that in, instead of putting our own personal race into it, go, man, I think there might be a bigger race at play that we're being invited into in this text. And to find the answer um, to what the race is, we're gonna have to look back in the text a little bit. You know, I had a professor in uh, an undergrad, a Bible professor, who used to have this kind of cheesy quip where he would say, hey, listen, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, then you should ask, what is it therefore? In other words, the word therefore is pointed to something else, and when you see it, you should ask the question, hey, I wonder what the therefore is referring to. What is it therefore? And so when we ask this question of, hey, what is the race that the Hebrew author is talking about? We, he says, therefore, so let's go back a little bit, okay? Let's just, we're gonna kind of follow, if, 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 the, if the fruit that's presenting on the tree is this image of us persevering in the face of a race, we're gonna just kind of kind of trace that down and go back and where's the root, where's this thing coming from? Well, you back up a little bit, you get into Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, you know, it's a really famous chapter as well that is also quoted a lot. You know, it, 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 some people call it the hall of fame of faith in the Bible. The author's gonna go through and talk about all these Old Testament biblical characters. I mean, he'll talk about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Jacob and he'll talk about Isaac and talk about Moses and all these great heroes of the faith and he'll hold them up as these great figures of those who persevered with faith. And he starts off chapter 11 with this other inspiring quote where he says, man, faith is being confident in what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Man, that's another one of those ones we just wanna put on a mug. We're like, yes, that's so inspiring. But again, I'm gonna stop us and go, okay, but, but what does that have to do with the race? And, and why the long discourse on faith? I mean, a whole chapter just outlining heroes of the faith. Why, why did we need that? What else is going on? I don't think we're quite to the root yet. And so you keep going back in Hebrews, you know, and you look at the end of chapter 10, verse 39 of chapter 10, you have this weird phrase where the writer says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And suddenly, whoa, that's pretty heavy language. Like, man, are we still talking about the race here? We're talking, now suddenly we're talking about destruction and we're talking about salvation. And suddenly we begin to go, hey, maybe this race has more dire consequences and implications than we really thought. I mean, he's laying out, hey, the end of this race, we're talking about two things, either being destroyed or being saved. Ooh, feels heavy. We gotta keep going back. What, what else is there? Look, look in verse 36 of chapter 10. The writer says, you need to persevere. That word should get our attention because we saw it in chapter 12. So it gives us a clue, hey, we're still on the right track. We're still following the route. He says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Listen to this, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And suddenly we go, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's something else to this race. Somehow it is connected to all the things we were actually talking about just a few weeks ago in the Advent series. Where we were talking about, man, Jesus is coming. There's a day that is coming when Christ will return. And suddenly we go, wait a minute, I think this race actually has a real finish line. It's not the end of 2021 or whenever I you know, attain my New Year's resolution that somehow this race that we're talking about has a finish line. And the finish line is when Christ himself is revealed and returns. And that there are very real implications about that finish line, destruction or salvation. Suddenly the race starts feeling a little bit heavier. 
And then you keep going back because there's even more to it. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He's still on the same theme, and the writer's going to say this, Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. There's that word faith again. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Again, this language of holding on, of persevering. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Suddenly in chapter 10, 24, we go, oh, wait a minute. We're, we're not even in this race by ourselves that we're in this race together. He says, don't give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, keep encouraging one another. And then look at this. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, why did I, why did I trace this route out? Why did I go back from chapter 12 all the way into chapter 10? You know, guys, I think we've, if we want to be able to understand what chapter 12 has to say to us as we step into a new year, we've got to be honest about the race that the author is talking about. The race he's talking about has a clear finish line. The race he's talking about has clear implications. And there are clear ways to know what it looks like to run the race. What he's saying in chapter 10, he's saying, man, let us draw near to God. The way you run this race is by pressing into intimacy, knowledge of nearness to God Almighty. He's saying, guys, there is a God, a creator God, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he longs for you to know him. And he says this race that we're running is about intimacy with him, but it's not just about intimacy with God, it's intimacy with one another. That's why he has all that stuff about keep spurring one another on, keep encouraging one another. And so the race that we're running has a clear finish line, the day, the great day, the return of Jesus has clear implications, destruction or salvation. And it is clearly a picture of how we run in intimacy with God and how we run with deep community with one another. When we have this understanding of the race, we can go back to chapter 12 and we can begin to answer some questions about the text. Because what he says in chapter 12, he doesn't just say, hey, run the race, hey, run the race. No, look at the descriptions that he gives. He says, hey, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. These are kind of the three things that we want to look at out of this text. How do we throw off that which hinders? How do we get unentangled from sin, and how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? You know, let's start with throwing off everything that hinders. You know, I think a lot of times we just lump that phrase right in with the sin that entangles, and we think this is just instruction to, hey, stop sinning. <laughs> we see, hey, throw off everything that hinders, and we hear, hey, stop doing that sin that you're doing. You know, what chapter 10 of Hebrews tells us is that we actually have unhindered access to intimacy with God. That you have unhindered access to God Almighty through Jesus Christ. And yet there are things that hinder us. Have you ever wondered or asked yourself, what are the things that hinder me from intimacy with God? What are the things that hinder me from walking deeper in community with other believers as I try to pursue intimacy with God? You know, I, I think that, that what the Lord wants to do in a lot of us this year is he is ready to remove some things that hinder us. In fact, I think a lot of what was happening last year was a shaking up of some of the things that hinder us and our ability to walk with him more closely. 
You know, I'm reminded of this documentary, this movie that I got to watch a couple of years ago called Sheep Among Wolves, and we actually screened it at Ethos, and a lot of you were there and got to see it. You know, it's a great story about the underground church in the country of Iran, and what's happening there is the church is being persecuted. But there's this moment in the movie where, where the, the, the filmmaker and a missionary, they're talking about this Iranian couple, a Christian couple, who'd been persecuted for their faith in Iran, and they were given opportunity to leave the country, and they moved to the United States. And they describe what happened when they got on the ground in the United States. The, the wife of the couple, after just being in America for a couple of months, she comes to her husband and she says, I, I want to go back to Iran. And he says, are you kidding me? Why would you, why would you want to leave the freedoms that we have here and step back into the oppression that we had there? And her response to him was this. She says, there is a satanic lullaby here in America. The Christians are all sleepy. And I'm feeling sleepy too. You see, this wife, she had this pulse on what was happening in the American church. And she had the discernment to recognize that a threat to her faith, sleepiness, was a threat to her faith greater than that of even persecution. She had the ability to discern that spiritual sleepiness is a bigger threat than physical persecution, and she wanted none of it. As do we know, do we understand there's so much that what is hindering us is not just the sin that entangles you. We'll deal with that. But you know there's other things at play in our culture that are hindering you from intimacy with God. And if you can set all the New Year's resolutions you want that are behavior modification or sin management or you know self-advancement goals, you can do all of those things. But if you don't deal with the underlying lullaby that is putting us to sleep spiritually, it's all worthless. Because what we're drawn for, what we're made for, is intimacy with God Almighty. That is what it looks like to run the race with perseverance. I think God wants to wake us up this year, Ethos. I think he wants to help us throw off that which hinders. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine near the end of 2020. And it's an old friend of mine from college, and we were talking about what a crazy year it had been. And he asked me how my year had been, and I, you know, I told him, I said, honestly, I said, 2020, I've experienced one of the biggest years of spiritual breakthrough of my life. And <laughs> he kind of just said, you're the only person I've heard say that. <laughs> He's like, that is crazy. How can you say after 2020 and all the craziness that you have experienced spiritual breakthrough? And I said, I, I don't know. I said, I, I think God's been getting my attention. He's just been waking me up to some things. You know, the last few months of 2020 were some of the best months in my marriage after 15 years of marriage. When my wife Amy and I, we found ourselves... At night, if we put our kids to bed, we, we found ourselves praying more and worshiping more, reading the Word more. And it's like, I don't know how it happened, but I knew that God was throwing off some things that hinder. You know, I began to realize near the end of the year, I started asking myself that question, what are the things that hinder me from intimacy with God? I began to think about the phone that I carry around in my pocket and all the, the access that people have to me on that phone. You know, and I'm already not on social media, and, but I, I just felt this like, man, there's more. There's more hindering me. And I, I, near the end of the year, I, I went through and I just deleted every email app. I deleted every app that gave people access to me aside from text messaging. I deleted YouTube. I deleted anything that would cause me to want to scroll and just get sucked into the vortex of my phone. And I'll tell you what I was shocked to see is that you, know, you get a screen time notification that after one week of doing that, and it just stayed consistent every week after that. My screen time was cut in half. It was like an hour to an hour and a half of time per day that suddenly I got back. And I began to go, man, that's like almost 10 hours a week 
suddenly God has more access to me on. And I started going, There's, that's a hindrance. And this picture in Hebrews is this, he's going, man, throw off that which hinders. It's like a runner that shows up to a track meet with a backpack on. He's not going to run with the backpack. He's going to take it off so that he can go. And I'm going, man, I started realizing my time on my phone was a hindrance. I started looking at my evenings. I started realizing that typically after we put our kids to bed, we don't watch a lot of TV, but we would still like stream stuff online. We would watch YouTube videos. And a lot of it was learning how to garden, learning how to do things, but it was still just us vegging out, looking at a screen. And my wife and I would just started going, man, what would happen if we spent more of our time in the evenings? We didn't have a plan. We didn't sit down and go, okay, at 8.30, we're going to open up our Bibles and read this passage this time. It's like, no, we just started asking the Lord, what if there was more? We started worshiping together in our house. Guys, I'm just telling you, as I threw off that which hindered, I, I started feeling more of the Lord. Now, I'm still early in the journey, so I'm not trying to say that I am the gold standard. Man, I have just been encouraged by the Lord. There's more for us. I don't know what hinders you. I know what hinders our culture in a lot of ways. Guys, we are under the, the spell of a lullaby. There are people that are trained scientists that know how to get into your mind and convince you to spend more time scrolling on your phone, more time watching that screen, more time checking out from the people around you, more time not paying attention to what's going on in your heart, more time just blocking it all out, and it's putting us to sleep, Ethos. And the Lord is going, I wanna wake you up. I'm gonna wake you up. 2020 was the year of being woken up. Will we move forward and will we become unhindered in our intimacy with God Almighty? You know, I, I've struggled with knowing how to even talk about all this. I've struggled with knowing, and, and all I know how to do is give you my heart. And my heart is this, guys, God has more for you. Even if you've had a really deep year in 2020, a really great spiritual year, there is still more. God has more. So let him un unhinder it all. You know, he goes on from there and he'll say, man, throw off that which hinders intimacy with God, intimacy with others. And then he'll say, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I've spent a lot of time on this. A lot of you know the sin that's tripping you up. You know what it is. Maybe the Lord's revealed it to you already. I think about when I go hiking with my kids or if I'm trail running and there's like a thorn sticking out in the trail and it catches my pant leg or catches my shoelace. It's like, it's really hard to keep moving as long as that thing's just clinging onto me. It'll scratch me up. It's just destructive. And guys, the instruction here is this, as you come into a new year, just spend some time asking the Lord, Lord, what is that sin that just keeps tangling me up that I need to just get off? And just ask him. Ask him what it is. Confess it with a friend. Repent of it. And man, let's move into this year with deeper intimacy with God. So he says, throw off that which hinders. Throw off the sin that easily entangles. And then he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of your faith. You know, why, why, why do we fix our eyes on Jesus? There's so many reasons, guys. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized this year is that, man, the more I see Jesus, the more I know him, the more I want to know him. Man, I want to know him. <laughs> He's so much better, guys. I don't know how you spend your evenings. I'm just telling you, Jesus is better. I don't know what shows you watch. I, I don't know what app you spend more time in. I don't know what, what dark holes you get sucked into on the web. 
I don't know what even feels fulfilling, but I'm just gonna tell you that Jesus is more fulfilling than any of it. He's better. We fix our eyes on him. He's the one that made your faith. He's the one that made it possible for you to have access to intimacy with the Father. He's the one that makes it so you know how to relate to other people. He is better. We fix our eyes on Jesus. But it's not just because he's better. It's because he's been there. Man, if you had a really crappy year last year, I'm just gonna tell you that Jesus understands suffering more than you could ever imagine. Jesus has suffered more than you could possibly imagine suffering. If there's a pain you felt, he's felt it. He is not far off. And that's why he says, fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, the one, it says that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured opposition. And so guys, when you feel pushed back, when you feel like it's hard, when you have a night where you try to spend time with God and it feels unfulfilling, we fix our eyes on Jesus and he says, just keep coming, keep coming. I'm here, keep coming. How do you do this? For me, it began, I just had to be obedient. You know, the, the truth is we all, a lot of us, if you've been in church in any amount of time, you know what to do. It's read your Bible, pray, take this season of fasting that's gonna come in a month very seriously. You know, worship in your home, teach your kids the word of God, share the word with your neighbors. I mean, we know all these things, right? The trick is not just knowing it. It's, man, this year, will you just do it? Will you do it? Will you put these things into practice? Will you fix your eyes on Jesus? Throw off that which hinders. Throw off the sin that entangles. And let's go after God this year. And let's do it together as a church family. You know, I love, love you all so much. And this time together on Sundays is really important. I don't know where you are, who you're with, if you're by yourself or with family. I just wanna encourage you to get, get the elements of communion, get the bread, get the cup, and start by fixing your eyes on Jesus right now. As you take the cup, which reminds us of the blood that he spilled for you. As you take the bread, which reminds us that man, he came in the flesh and he experienced all that we do. As you take those things, take some time to just say out loud that which is hindering you. Take some time to say out loud the sin that's entangling you. And then take communion and welcome Jesus in as the one who longs to take it off your shoulders and to get you untangled. So I'm gonna pray. Pray for you, pray for our church. And then there's gonna be a screen that'll come up with some communion questions on it. And I just encourage you to take your time. Take your time and let the Lord lead you into deeper waters as you start off 2021. I love you, Ethos. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing in my own heart this year. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for what you've done in my marriage. I'm so grateful for what you've done in me as a parent. I'm, I'm grateful for the nights that feel unfulfilling, and I'm grateful for the nights that are really fulfilling. I'm grateful, Father, for what you're doing in our church family. I'm grateful for the opportunities you've given us to love each other well, to walk with each other well, even in the midst of what was behind us a really hard year. And Lord, we come to you now as we come to the cup, as we come to the bread, as we come to the communion with you, Jesus. We ask, would you begin to take us deeper? What's hindering us? Where's the sin in our lives? And as we take of your body and your blood, would you just give us vision to be able to see how you want to remove it? and help us to receive the grace that you're ready to pour out on us. We choose salvation 
not destruction. Give us endurance, give us perseverance, and give us faith as we move into another year. It is in the great name of Jesus that I pray and give thanks. I love you, Ethos. Let's take communion together.